Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello! (laughs) Hi, happy hump day. Happy hump day. Oh, this is um well the penultimate episode of the 20, 2022 mm. we're like i don't know if we're frantically getting ready for christmas i am it's not far away and still got a lot to do yes i'm more of a turtle's pace kind of a person but yes it's getting, uh, it's getting there i like your earrings Oh, thank you. These I probably wouldn't have bought myself. I got it as a Kris Kringle present a couple of years ago. So finally making use of it. Trying to get my Santa in the shop, but it's not really working out. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) So what are you looking forward to? Um, Yeah, 2023 might be a good year. So do you never know? full of possibilities anything can happen all of possibilities exactly and, and what do you want to happen oh trying to decide <laughs> i should have thought of this before but i don't know um maybe more work-life balance that would be nice okay figure out um so more life or more, more work? life <laughs> more life there's been a little too much work so okay what about you me, I will be different opportunities to grow my business. Mm. Exploring different opportunities. That will be my focus. And dating. Dating, yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Those mm. two things will be. I wish you luck with them because I think the business will be easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you never know. You never know. You just never know. Mm. Yeah. So those are those are things I'm looking forward to in 2023. Mm. And and seeing family because um, my mum's coming to visit. Yeah. Can't wait. Your mum is. Yeah. Visit me, and I'm going on holiday in the beginning of the year or the first quarter in March. Mm. So things to look forward to. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. But sadly, this is your final episode. 
My final episode, yes. Mainal is leaving us to pursue <laughs> other interests. Yes. And we will have a new mm. new co-host in the new year. Which will be exciting. Which will be exciting. Season two Season with co-host two. Out with the old, in with the new. <laughs> I would welcome you back with open arms, Meenal. Oh, that's good to know. It is. Anytime. Anytime. Yes, maybe I can guest star. <laughs> I can do those questions that we did with the lovely Andrew last week. Yeah. Okay, shall we get into the first story? Sure. What story do you have for me, Meenal? Well, it's one that, to be honest, has been um in the news a little bit and we can talk about the other effect of it actually uh, something related but not quite but anyway it's in the guardian and the title reads the four priorities for tackling medical misogyny in australia so for those of you who did not know that is a thing it is a thing <laughs> so Article says that women are being harmed and left in pain because many medical trials and guidelines ignore them. A paper published in the Medical Journal of Australia in 2019 found that across the board um, range of health areas, data had been collected for men and generalised for women. Last week, the federal government announced the formation of a National Women's Health Advisory Council to address medical misogyny that occurs due to a com combination of social prejudice, medical ignorance and research exclusion. It can lead to catastrophic health outcomes for women. The president of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, Dr. Nicole Higgins, will act as the special advisor to the council. She says it's unacceptable that women with severe pelvic pain caused by endometriosis have their symptoms repeatedly um, dismissed or ignored, for example. Australian women living with um, the painful and often debilitating condition have, uh, have had to wait an average of 6.4 years before being diagnosed and often undergo surgery that don't help or cause harm. It's not good enough and change must happen now, Higgins says, um, which is quite shocking, but, but not unsurprising, especially for endometriosis in particular, because there have been, as we know, quite a few celebrities who's come out with, with these sort of things and not knowing that they had it for years. Um, Guardian uh, Australia spoke to five experts to find out what areas they think the new advisory council should um, provide, you know, prioritise. End of obstetrics violence. So this is number one. This was quite shopping, shocking, but I read about stuff like this a couple of years ago. Shocking? Not yet surprising. Western Sydney University midwife professor Hannah Darlin uh, says childbirth must be high on the council's agenda. She and her colleagues recently published findings from a national survey of 8,804 women that found more than 10% of those who gave birth in the past five years felt dehumanized, powerless and violated by health practitioners providers. They experience psychological and emotional abuse, non-consensual care, and others were threatened and yelled at, Dallin says. More alarmingly were the experience of physical assault, such as forcible restraint 
or being held down for non-consensual vaginal examinations. Dallin says um, birth trauma affects about one in three women, yet is regularly dismissed or ignored. When English um, is not a woman's first language or they are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, they experience even higher rates of obstetric violence. Postnatal care continues to be the poor cousin of maternity care, where we leave women and their partners unsupported too early following birth with postpartum women's health services that are patchy and hard to access, she says. We need this woman's advisory council and let's hope childbirth is finally on the agenda so all women finally get the care and respect they deserve it is shameful in 2022 that we must fight for what is basic human right i agree hey hey exactly secondly address the tragic outcomes for indigenous women i should say we were talking about tragic outcomes or health disparities between um indigenous australians and non-indigenous australians when i was in high school yeah The council must urgently address institutional racism, the social and cultural determinants of health, and greater uptake in cultural safety, says adjunct Professor Janine Muhammad of the CEO of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health Organization, Loitja Institution. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women are twice as likely to have cardiovascular disease and to die from coronary heart disease or stroke than non-Indigenous women. They also die 7.8 years earlier than non-Indigenous women. As the National Women's uh, Health Strategy acknowledges, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander needs are different and inadequate health care can result in tragic outcomes, Muhammad says. The intersectionality of racism and misogyny impacts the health and well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women who experience in higher burden of disease than non-Indigenous women. It is vital that we focus on an Indigenous-led research agenda by and for our peoples and um, with the targeted research strategies that support and grow Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health force. Number three, um, give women the right medications and doses. So Dr. Laura Wilson led a study just published in the journal Nature Communications that found women are up to 75% more likely to experience adverse reactions to prescription drugs compared to men because of different physical traits. The author writes... A historic use of male animals in preclinical research and male participants in clinical trials has resulted in significant bias in the health system around the world. Women have suffered um, from historical neglect in preclinical and clinical research. Interesting, we both work in research and did not think of this really. Well, I didn't anyway. Wilson from the Australian uh, National University says this has translated in us knowing far less about the severity of symptoms and efficacy of treatment in women as compared to men. Medical research must include sex-based analysis, she says. That is, not only are female animals and women included in biomedical research, but researchers must present sex-specific results rather than just correlating um, their results for sex, for example, by removing the impacts of sex-related um, variations in their analysis. 
She says the current approach by some researchers of correcting um, male-based results to include women by making assumptions about females has proven problematic. Many of the assumptions about including females in biomedical research are incorrect. For example, that the menstrual cycle will include additional variation in the experimental setting. She says it would be very valuable for future research to consider applying big data and meta-analysis approach to obtain a more complete and holistic understanding of sex differences. Wow. Yes. And actually what's interesting to me is I never thought about it. I'm playing devil's advocate here. You know, we open a trial, we recruit patients, we don't think, oh, what sex are they? Or even though there could be 80% male, we wouldn't even really... No. realize no. Uh, but then there's also cases where some diseases that we're investigating are pro- more prominent in uh, males or more prominent in females mm. there's that aspect of as well yeah there is but we have i for example have we know that say for example trials we do in breast cancer we do go out of our way to make sure that the consent forms don't say women and don't exclude men because we're aware that men get breast cancer very men get breast cancer exactly so we are very conscious of including that in the Mm. in the population i think maybe that's also what it's more about Um, but also as well i guess you can't have like that's a really good example because at first i was thinking well then um trials to be stratified male and female like targeting equal numbers but then you can't really do that in some diseases because they're it's just more prominent in set one sex mm-hmm. and like for breast cancer men definitely can get breast cancer but i think it's still more prominent in women than it is in men oh, 100%. so i guess what you could do is stratify as a representation of the population so if it's known that you know men and women get breast cancer but eight percent or eight percent of people will diagnose breast cancer female then you want to stratify your trial 20, 20% male, 80% female. That's how I would approach it, I guess. But I, I don't think companies are doing that. And then anyway, and even if you do that, then it's also about how you interpret the data that when you get it and whether you consider those things. Yes. Well, I think because uh, I think generally, though, they haven't used women a lot in clinical trials. So yeah, especially historically. Yes, exactly. One, I mean, it, it makes sense in... Uh, Obviously, when you talk about treatment trials, it's harder to control. But say, for example, you're just looking at healthy volunteer trials, maybe it should be stratified by sex. Like it should be more important to have a balanced representative because it just wouldn't make sense otherwise. But I don't think that that's what's been happening. So, no, like preclinical or phase one. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And the fourth um, was trans and gender diverse experiences must be included. So Star Lady is the program manager of the Zoe Bell Gender Collective, a trans and gender diverse led advocacy organization. She she says um, there are numerous overlaps between the experiences um, of discrimination of cis, cis women and trans and gender diverse people. This includes um, issues of bodily autonomy, sexual harassment, the refusal of access to healthcare, poor treatment, and a lack of knowledge about specific healthcare needs. 
in exploring the drivers of medical misogyny, understanding how rigid gender norms and stereotypes impact patient care is essential. Mm. A survey of Australian cancer patients found 58% of trans and gender diverse respondents said fear of um, mistreatment was the biggest barrier when accessing healthcare. And 20% said that they have been refused general health care. Oh, that's shocking. Um, Star Lady said that she has experienced this as well. It's frightening having to um, assess and develop my own safety plans before accessing emergency departments. And then there's the exhaustive labor of having to advocate for safe health care whilst I'm experiencing life um, health crisis says this whole process makes me feel my life is not as valued as others that lady also wants the role of faith in healthcare to be examined the same faith-based services that are um, causing cis women harm in regards to reproductive rights also exclude trans and gender diverse people from receiving gender affirming surgeries mm. actually that's a point because i remember you know, like, for example, we do a clinical trial and we're working with a particular hospital. Oh, I'll just say, if it's a Catholic hospital, because that's the only other type I'm aware of, then they they make us take things out of the consent form about contraception and things like that. So yeah. I didn't even consider that they may be not treating people. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, that they're refusing care to people who who need it. So, yeah, that's and, – and how they would handle somebody miscarrying or – I don't know. Anyway. Don't... I just think there's no place for that in the medical community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you either – you become a doctor to treat everyone and help everyone, or you can't be a doctor. Yeah. No. Or a nurse or whatever health practitioner. It's like saying, I'm going to – you can specialize in certain things. So let's say I'm going to be a coach. I'm only going to work, treat, work, you know, support people that are black. Mm. Now, I can have a niche and a speciality, mm. but I wouldn't turn away other people who wanted my help. Yeah. And there has recently been in the news, oh, I forgot the guy's name. I think he's from the UK. He's a fourth medical student who has started raising the awareness of the fact that you know a lot of medical diagnosis and things like that don't take into account um, people of color mm. um, so he was in particular the one I saw I think I saw a TikTok from him actually but he has been in the re news recently um, he was talking about a particular skin condition and how in his textbook all the examples of that skin condition were all white people. And he goes, but actually in the black population, it presents completely different, but the, there are no examples of that. Yeah. And actually it's interesting because I have a doctor that I go and see every time. Now this doctor's white. They're also British and they also um, did a lot of their practice in the UK in a black community. Mm. So they intentionally or not, are very experienced with black people's health and the differences because they practice for a very long time in that community, mm. um, in Brixton, in London, basically. Mm. So that's why I keep going to that particular doctor. Um, but there's other things like, there's so much that doesn't get taken into account. Like for example, BMI, this is really 
interesting. But it is an ethnic thing where black people do actually have denser bones. Yeah. It's actually a fact, and I've read it in some journals, yeah. um, which means you heavy part of your weight is your bones, and it's just weird. It's just got, you've got higher bone density. I don't know why. I don't know how it happened. Yeah. Um, evolution did that. Um, but then, yeah, so you could t have a high BMI that's not in that little, doesn't fit that index. So it doesn't mean you're overweight. No, exactly. Well, I mean, discrimination based on weight is also another, another yes. that people are trying to fight very hard. So there's a lot of areas for improvement. In the healthcare industry. I'm just so shocked about those obstetrics figures. Yeah. yeah. So am I, I mean, having, but I did read an article a couple of years ago about this woman who had said, and was actually, she had had vaginal exams where they didn't ask for consent. They literally just walked in, was like, right, I'm going to examine you. And so in they went and she goes, they had both their hands inside me. And I had, you know, like, it was just, it must be so shocking. And a few people have said this, like where you're pregnant and it's almost like you as a person don't exist anymore. It's all about the baby. So people don't even sometimes ask, Hey, I'm going to examine you. Is that okay? I'm going to actually have to put my hand inside you. Is that okay? It's just assumed. I'm it's gonna assumed it's baby. okay. Yeah. I'm going to check on the baby. So whatever I do down there is, is, is fine. So that, that seems ridiculous to me. That's uh, interesting, isn't it? And I guess for the per the practitioner, they don't think about it. It's what how they were trained and yes. do it every day. Or yes. that's what they do all day, every day. But it doesn't matter how many, it doesn't matter if it's natural to have babies. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's still unusual for somebody to stick in their hands up you. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Especially when you're in pain as it is, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you're already, yeah, like probably terrified and whatever and, and you have all these people in the room and mm. and people are doing things and they're not telling you what they're doing. I just think it's um, interesting because it's just, again, that kind of idea that you just suck it up, get on with it. Yes. Um, because you're a woman and because this is natural and it happens all yes. the time just because something yes. happens all the time yeah exactly no it's crazy and don't even get me started on how partners or husbands get a say in what kind of you know anesthesia you can do or whatever oh i didn't know that oh well you know because a lot of people ask them or or they you know sit there and go no 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 we're gonna opt for a natural birth i think it's much better and much healthier for the baby it's like i'm sorry but you're not giving birth to a four kilo baby. So. Oh, I know that, but I still think that this is the whole argument about the woman's decision over what happens with their body. Yeah, exactly. Um, a choice, even if she's carrying a baby, mm. even when she's carrying a baby. She's, yeah, it's her body. So it should ultimately be her decision. But um, a reason I really, this story stuck out to me is because I was just talking about it with a friend. Mm. And like, it's only after that, I guess, that I saw the term medical misogyny, the gender pain mm. gap mm. and stories around it. There's even somebody's written a book about it. And I just think you, then it's almost like you have all you have this life experience and mm. things just pass you by and then you learn something and then all of a sudden you reflect and you're like, ping, 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 all these examples of like, oh my gosh, mm. 
when you when you talk to your mother or you talk to your aunties or you talk to your mm. you know your elders basically who are going through births and going through menopause mm. and going through these women's things depression i feel is linked to menopause mm. some depression not all depression and this how the suffering is just expected you just you just mm. get on with it hot flushes all this kind of stuff yeah that there's no real research into yeah we're just not being it's been overlooked and it's just like suck it up and get on with it yeah it's all very natural that's what everybody says you know whether it's childbirth or menopause or pain that women feel during periods or now i've discovered during ovulation that's a new thing yeah some people get pain yeah it's a lot of pain and it's just like oh well that's just natural. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. Yeah. I can't tell you a few men that I've talked to about that or period pain or whatever who, who sort of go, oh, but I don't take paracetamol or neurofin or anything. I never do. I don't need it. It's like, oh, good for you. <laughs> I take both every four hours when I have my period. Like, yeah. and they, they, they feel as if, oh, my God, that's so shocking. And it's like, why don't they – it's funny because they look at the amount of tablets – the pills that you take during period and go who's off. they because I, I don't have this experience so who are they like, like just friends you talk to or colleagues or whatever okay like oh it's shocking but they don't co- correlate that with the pain they go that's a shocking amount of pills to have to take and you're like yeah but that's because i'm in a lot of pain mm-hmm. and they don't really look at it they're just like oh but i've never needed that kind of medication you well, should just say look at you you've never had yes. that kind of pain exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, yeah no it's it's yeah yeah the hysterics one shocks me and this the conversation i was having with the friend is um how she had been suffering in silence for years and just being told if it got bad when going to the doctor's been told to take painkillers and it turns out she had really severe endometriosis and really bad and luckily for her she found a really good specialist who is all over it yeah. And um yeah, was able to perform a procedure mm-hmm. to you know, basically cure the endometriosis and which allowed her to go on without the pain and mm-hmm. also allowed her to be able to have children because when you have that, um having children is not easy as well. Mm-hmm. That's also an issue. Yeah. So I think the, it's good that we've got celebrities talking about endometriosis because it's kind of like a silent live with it. I know actually two of my cousins had that problem. So it really is important not to suffer in silence. And if you're not being listened to, go and find someone else. Yeah. But I think that in general, medical practitioners must be trained early on to, mm. you know, to try and help people that are not, that don't fit the cis male, you know, whatever. Oh yeah, the cisgender trans community. Absolutely. But then there's also, there's, I mean, in Australia, at least, definitely not so much in the UK, unless it's private, like, private. So the thing, difference between Australia and the UK, and I can't speak about the US, um, I feel like in the US you have to pay for everything. There's minimal available um, healthcare options for free, I feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I've never lived in America, but that's the impression I get. Whereas here, everybody has private healthcare, it's kind of like, not you have to, but you kind of have to. Mm. So it becomes the norm. 
people so. budget to have affordable private health care it's affordable i think um well, depending on your income level okay. depending on your income level and your responsibilities mm. uh, for, for i don't know what percentage but for a high percentage it is affordable and obviously there's different levels mm. what you get you know i don't pay top whack health private health care um well i mean it, to be honest i think it it's a little bit of a myth when we think Australia that doesn't, I mean, there are quite a few people that live below the means because I remember a few years back when the Liberal government decided that they wanted to not bulk bill all general practitioner visits and there would be a $7. It wasn't very much. It was $7 re, like on top of, I don't know, you'd have to pay somehow. Um, but it, it actually a lot of people came out to say that's not affordable. It will actually detracting people from going to their general practitioner if they have to top up like it's just not okay mm -hmm. so things like in the western suburbs for example you'll find most gps bulk bill like it's That's a good. standard thing um yeah. because people won't be able to afford it otherwise whereas of course if you go towards you know in a city probably or um in a west You'll find people don't bulk, bulk bill. Yeah, yeah. majority and, don't bulk, bulk bill. Yeah, and if you if you don't live in Australia, you will not understand what we're talking about because it's. Mm. I guess I feel like, having lived in the UK and lived in Australia, I feel like Australia is very much an in between the UK and Australia, where you pay in part. UK and the US, yeah. Compared to the US, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of in in the middle. Yes. Um, <laughs> how it works. But anyway, whereas in the, the UK, everything's free, but, you know, you might have to wait a year for a surgery. Yeah. And the quality varies. And some things you never get access to. Yeah. Um, whereas if you have money, I feel like in the UK, you can private, and therefore maybe the quality of service goes up. Well, it's not even that. It's just the things you can get. Because, like, like for example, women's health. I'd say women's health is treated differently here. You could, there is like dedicated women's health medical mm. practices and centres, which yes. that's what I would advise for women to go having problems to seek those specialists out, yeah. which is look, oh, lucky we can do that. You can't just, in the UK, you can't go, oh, I want to go and see a, mm. a specialist. Mm -mm. It will take forever to get a referral. Mm, yeah. It's exhaust all <laughs> options. But I must say that the... The, so the woman's GP that I go to near me is actually not bulk built and it's actually much more expensive um, than normal. So like, you know, some centers you might, the bulk bill out of pocket that the general practitioners that don't bill might be like $30 or something per visit. Mm. Whereas that woman specialist that I go to near me is like a hundred and something. So it's for general practitioners, she's not, she's not a specialist um, so yeah it's just I, I i love that we have access to that but yeah i think mm, it's not as accessible to everyone which, no you have to pay and that's kind of what it's like in the uk yeah exactly i remember that i think you've i don't know who to put me onto that show i care a lot no this no this is gonna hurt have you seen that show no, it's not me it's, it's it's about the nhs and um, one of the doctors who's, well, they would say uh, an obstetrician, I guess, and he delivers babies. And it's just, it's a shocking show, actually. I love it. it. 
it's 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 a little bit depressing it is i must say and like how it ends and stuff is quite depressing but it's still like uh, it was still amazing to watch so all right i've not seen that show what's it on i do not know I uh, because um i liked i mean as far as the baby show was i liked watching that one boy in every minute oh yeah yeah i used to love it i always cry cry every episode <laughs> I'm binge um this is going to hurt Oh, and I don't have that. wasn't me. Yes. Um, but no, it was a, it's a very good show. I really liked it. Um, and it's supposed to be a comedy. It is a comedy, but it's got a 95% Rotten Tomatoes rating and an 8.4 on IM. All right. Okay. So that's the story we wanted to share because it raises awareness. And also, I guess it's hopeful that the government in Australia are particularly focusing on that. Uh, taking notes, which is wonderful to hear. Let's hope something positive and constructive and resourceful com- comes of that. Um, and also from you know men out there, be more uh, understanding. I don't. I, it's like you can't compare. Can't compare pain. There's no hierarchy of pain. But if you felt like you're getting kicked in the balls every ten minutes mm. for seven days, maybe you'd take some painkillers. <laughs> And maybe for the men whose wives and whatever partners are pregnant and maybe just be an advocate for them when the doctors are talking to you instead of your wife or partner. Maybe just go, maybe you should ask. Oh, so funny. I see that in so many situations, but we'll, we'll get off track. Um, buying a house like you told me about. You were the one buying the house, but they only talk to your brother. Yes. Um, your car. I remember... I felt like, I remember when I bought my car and you came with me. Mm. Yes, I did. Yeah. I remember feeling in one place that they just weren't taking me seriously. Mm. I don't know why, to be honest. Um, For whatever reason, they weren't paying enough attention about my needs and what I was there Mm. for. So I just, so even though in the end, it was like getting blood out of a stone. Mm. I remember um, trying to get a, a quote and, you know, whatever. It was like getting blood out of a stone. So I remember they gave me that quote and I was like, this is better quote, but I'm going to the other place where they were a lot more attentive and listening and whatever. Yeah. Because they deserve the, the you know, whatever they get. But a shout out to the men who are actually very nice. I went to a new mechanic yesterday and they were lovely and, you know, very, you know, I always hate going to the mechanic. I don't know what it is. But anyway, they were really nice to the point where they had finished and I'd come to get my car and they'd parked the car on the driveway. And of course I paid and and did whatever. And he walked me back to my car and I was sort of wondering what he was doing, but he had my keys. So I was like, I don't know, maybe he needs to check something else. But he actually got in the car and reversed out so it wasn't in the driveway anymore and sort of facing out where I needed to go and then he's like here you go I'm like oh thank you that's lovely that's very nice what was lovely about it that's what I was going to say well in that sort of that action um sort of set up the whole of what the service was like because when he when I came in he he sort of explained to me what he went through what they had done last time and I told him what needed to be done this time and then when I came back he showed me exactly what he'd done and why he'd done it and it just made a lot more sense Mm. and I don't know there was something about the environment that made me feel like it wasn't too weird because the mechanic I'd gone to before you know before this time was someone who was recommended by my dad but I remember driving up 
And I was like, I'm not going to go in there by myself. I don't know what it was. It was just completely full of men. Like the whole thing was just full of men. And I was just like, I'm not doing this. And so I actually ended up having, like calling my dad and going, can you come with me? Because it just felt super awkward, like to have to go in there. I don't know. It was just this garage of like Indian men. And it was just weird. What was weird about it? What was different between this one that you like and this other one? Well, because I think it was the guy that it was just a little bit, I don't know, easier to talk to or something. I don't know. Whereas the other one, the whole environment just looked a bit weird. Like there were just too many guys hanging around and it just looked too awkward for me to walk in there. And and to be honest, when I parked and got out, everybody turned around and looked at me and I was like, I don't want to be here. Like it just, it just. It was like, they looked at me like I was weird just to come into, you know, that place. Yeah, so it just made you feel a little bit more uncomfortable. So I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to. And so my dad did it and it was fine and and it was okay. But obviously, you know, I'm supposed to be a grown adult. So I don't really want my dad to escort me to the mechanic every time. So I was like, well, I'm not going to go back to that guy. I'm just going to go back to like Mm. this guy because he's a I like the fact that explains it. I like that as well. Mm. Explain to me what needs to be done and what you'll do. And then and then when they come, pick, I have a mechanic that does that. Mm. And they explain what they did and why. Mm. And then they give you options as well. It's like, you could, but you could leave it in another couple of years or whatever. Mm. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Because it's like, it's it's not hard to understand when they explain no. it that way. Yeah, exactly. I, I, just, I just think sometimes I think... Just because we don't, we're not an expert on something doesn't mean we can't understand. Yes. And just, and like, equally, I just, I don't like the idea that because you're a man, you must know about cars. Yes. Obviously some do, mm. but I, I know plenty of that don't know anything about cars. Just talk, you know, do they just get treated differently sometimes in some places? Anyway, we digress. We do. Another oh. story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quick. Because <laughs> this is a really good story. Yes. Um, I thought it was great to end on this p- beautiful story about Keely Murphy. And Keely um, started a charity at the age of 13. How amazing is that? Um, a regional Victorian teenager has plans to take the charity she started to help children with autism and intellectual disabilities beyond Australia to the rest of the world. So at 13 years old, Oh, I've got to go to the title, sorry. Keeley's cause gives children with autism and intellectual disabilities iPads to help them flourish. So at 13 years old, Keeley Murphy was struggling in the mainstream school system. Keeley has autism and she prepared to tackle high school. She was also diagnosed with a mild intellectual disability diagnosis. Her mother, Sharon Murphy, said her daughter became increasingly withdrawn and depressed. You can imagine, right? If you're, if you get the label intellectual disability, Mm. I just don't like that label, to be honest, Mm. because all, all it really, what it actually means is you learn in a different way to the mainstream. You need a different, there's a different approach needed for you. And actually, I think that applies to lots of people. I feel like you, you taught one way to learn and the people that can work with that, work with that and they do well. And then there's people that need another way and they don't do so well. I don't think they're stupid no. or, you know, intellectually challenged and they call it intellectual disability. I just don't like it as a mm-hmm. title. But anyway, 
Anyhow, her mother Sharon Murphy said her daughter became increasingly withdrawn and depressed. She thought she was stupid. And we told her she wasn't, and she just had a different way of learning, Miss Murphy mm. said. Yeah, exactly. She came out with, you know what, Mum, we have a right to an education as much as everyone else. Absolutely. Despite her own hardships, Keeley was inspired to help other young students gain access to their own iPads to improve their lives by creating charity Keeley's Cause. While most school students do have access to iPads, the devices are often shared and required to stay on campus. The charity raises funds to enable families with children diagnosed with autism and intellectual disabilities to apply to get their own iPad at no cost. Miss Murphy, the CEO of Keeley's Cause, said the tablet was an invaluable tool that helped improve communication in classroom learning. It's their world in a nutshell. You've got non-verbal kids that can have a voice through the iPads, communicate through picture-based word apps to describe their feelings, she said. It's giving kids a sense of self-worth. Hundreds of iPads donated. More than 300 iPads have been donated to children across the country since the charity was founded five years ago. So she's 18 now. So now 18, Keely has just finished year 12 and has several prestigious awards under her belt, including the Diana Award in 2020. Named after the late Princess Diana, the International Award recognizes social action or humanitarian efforts. On Sunday, Keeley's Cause had its biggest ever giving day. The annual event held in teenagers' hometown of Balan. So, I've never heard of Balan. I think it's in Victoria. So, mm -hmm. families with children living with disabilities gifted toys, hampers, and other goodies to make Christmas less financially stressful. More than ten thousand worth of gifts were donated this year, and Keeley said she was blown away at the response. Thank you so much to everyone that came, she said. Mm -hmm. And the charity has plans to expand reach beyond Australia, starting with Nepal and Bangladesh. We want these kids who are going to be the next leaders of our world to have everything they need to be able to live in the world as best they can, Keely said. There you go. It's a great story. Yes. Um, amazing that you started it so young inspiring i just love that i do you know what else i love about it the parents have been so supportive mm. because some parents may have turned around and said don't be silly mm. you can't that's not possible yeah how would you even do that and she might not have known how to do that just that she wanted to do that yeah um i just think that's beautiful and i think it's so important that parents support the kids yeah. in that way rather than limiting them yeah. And that they had that attitude and told her that because that's amazing. Well, it just goes to show age is not, doesn't have to be a barrier to achieving. Amazing. Age doesn't. I mean, I know, I was nearly gobsmacked. It's one of the lady coaches that are in the group that Andrew helps, who Andrew helps with her business. Mm. She is 70 years old. She only just started to learn coaching. She's 70 years old. I love that. Getting clients. Yeah. I mean, how incredible is that? Yeah. And imagine the life experience, really. Yeah. Um, to, to, so that would be amazing in itself. So. so she's 70 years old. She's learned, she's become a coach and she's getting clients and she's 70 and she just started, she's only done that in the last few years. Mm -hmm. So 
when I hear people say, oh, I'm too old to do this and that, I just, I just, I know it's not true. You see it all the time. Yeah. Even too young, same thing, really. So is there anything you're thinking that you're too young or too old to do? Oh. It's never the case. Never, never. Never, never. Right. What? Right. Is that it? That is it. Let's say goodbye. Yes, exactly. Amazing. Wow. It's been amazing. <laughs> Thank you for um, the opportunity. It has been. If it wasn't you suggesting it, I would never have done something like this. So. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Yes, exactly. It's been lots of fun. It's been a pleasure mm. chatting with you Yes. over these 19 episodes. 19 episodes, really. Wow, that is a lot. It's a lot. 19 episodes of All Wild and Inclusive podcast. Mm -hmm. You've been fantastic. Ooh. And I've enjoyed every minute. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I'm sad to see you go. <laughs> but good to welcome a whole new co-host with new ideas. Oh, just a different perception of life. Yeah, it will be interesting. When we start in the new year with a new co-host, mm -hmm. season two, we'll be back um, in January. Mm. I'm not sure which date in January, but season two will be back in January in the new year with a new co-host, which I'm not going to say their name yet. Mm -hmm. We'll just have to wait and see. It'll be a surprise. Surprise, surprise, yes. Surprise, surprise. But farewell to Mino and thank you. Farewell, everyone. It's been an amazing journey. Okay. Bye. 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 Take care. Happy year. Used to 2013. 2023. 2023. 2023. Yes. at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!